Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. My name is Trainer Chip Ritchie, joined here as always by my friend and co-host Azul GG. What's going on, Azul? How you doing? You getting ready for Worlds, man? Doing good. Yeah, getting ready for ready for Worlds, getting that last minute preparation in, um, and then uh, heading out tomorrow, actually, uh, Monday. So we're recording today on Sunday, heading out monday you guys listen to, listen to this of course on tuesday so yeah and then uh uh yeah i'm just excited to uh excited to get going and uh get over to london um i'm ready i'm ready to <laughs> ready for another world it's been a while it has been a while and that's what's been so exciting these last like few weeks leading up to it i've really started to feel the fomo big time this weekend <laughs> seeing all these people's posts of like traveling to worlds you know getting on the airplane getting their last things packed it's like man I'm not going to be there this time. And it feels, I mean, it feels really bad because now it means 2023, you know, assuming Worlds happens then, hopefully it will. Uh, it should, but uh, uh, that'll be four years since I've been to a World Championships, which is pretty, the fourth year, I guess, since I've been. So it's pretty wild since 2019 was the last time, but... Looking forward to watching from home. Can't wait to see how things unfold, where the meta shapes up, and we'll talk about some of those things this week. If you missed last week's episode, that's kind of where we did our full meta breakdown. We talked about each of the decks, how we thought they may do, what our kind of opinions were on them in the current meta, all of the top decks. So if you want to see meta-specific things definitely make sure to listen to last week's episode but this week we'll be talking about a few things here we'll start things off by just going over the format and kind of the theming of worlds in general giving our opinions there on the theme and then also talking about exactly how the schedule works how things work going from day one to day two what you need to accomplish in day one to make day two and so on and so forth yeah and eventually potentially day three uh and then we'll have guess the flavor text of course guess that flavor text and we'll close things out with a Q&A where we've got a bunch of questions from our listeners from over on Twitter. We'll be talking about different questions that are just kind of more general about the world's environment, things to do, all that type of stuff. And then also meta-specific questions, kind of like last-second deck inclusions or where we think specific decks sit in the meta. But yeah, I'm excited for this we this coming weekend. The World Championships is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to watch and I know Azul is definitely getting excited and ready to to participate and to compete so Azul you ready to hop into this yeah I'm ready to to get going chip let's uh get right into it I mean I guess the first thing we talk about is the um like the world's format right so they kind of gave us like uh the full schedule release we didn't talk about this last week at all we maybe talked about it the week before a little bit um but they've kind of given us the the whole rundown of what to expect specifically for the masters division um juniors and seniors um, i mean everyone will have that you know the day one play in some people kind of joke and call it the grinder uh <laughs> and especially it feels like that a little bit more this year because they did double the amount of day two invites so we went from 16 to 32 in in north america and then in europe they went from 22 to 44 yep. right and specifically for europe like that's a lot because it's the world is in europe so like I think that's one of the reasons they maybe always had a higher amount amount of Europe. I mean, they have a lot of European countries, I guess. I don't quite know how their their logic behind it, but Europe has more. They have less players than the, than North America, but they have more 
uh, day two invites, which is yeah. I think the countries is a big part of that yeah. because um, the amount of different regions. Got, uh, yeah, so many different countries represented from from the European region. So that's a big part of why we see twenty two versus sixteen day two spots. But yeah, it's all broken down here on the Pokemon website. I've got it pulled up here for people who are watching on YouTube. Exactly how things will work out. It is going to be a long weekend. Things starting on Wednesday with the check in, the pick up your kits, get your badges, all that type of stuff and that's always as a world's competitor has been one of my favorite things is going through that bag the competitor bag that they give you at worlds you're gonna get a sweet bag uh the plush you get promo cards which i think it has been revealed it was champions festival not like totally or officially but well yeah because there was updated on the promo card legality page <laughs> that oh. said that champions <laughs> festival would not be legal so it will be champions festival you most, said it would be legal uh, right assumedly it would not be legal Oh, it said Champions Festival wouldn't be legal? Would not be would legal it... because it won't have been out for two weeks. Oh, I mean, wouldn't that just be expected because it would have been rotated up to this point? There is no Champions Festival legal right now. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, like... They have a they site, they have that? a section on the website that is promo card legality that they update with all the promo cards and they least, yeah, list when they become illegal legal. Since rotation, right? Huh? That's what I'm saying. It's been... And you, it's been an it's been a rotated card yeah. since rotation. Yeah. So they why is whenever that there's a new still... promo card coming out, they put on the promo card legality page on the website when the card becomes legal. Oh, <laughs> uh, so so it says it becomes legal in a couple weeks. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, it's just definitely Champions Festival, which I feel like at this point they might just keep it as Champions Festival. I've actually played Champions Festival in a deck before. Yeah, I it's like it a... not great, but it's yeah, not, no, <laughs> not a terrible card. Here, I did find it. Oh, I've actually played it in two website. decks. I played it in, I played in Zora Control uh, for Colorado Regionals, and then I also played it in what was the other deck I played it in? Now I want to try and remember. It was some, it was some other. Con- oh, it was in the Shininja deck. So they can't sit there and mew ping you with side power over and over. You put the Champions Festival <laughs> yeah, in play. In, of course, in, in control decks, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, as you can see here on the promo card legality status page of the site, um, Champions Festival, Sword and Shield promo number 296. That's pretty wild that there's been almost 300 promos. I remember black and white era. I think there was just over 100 promos. So yeah. they're just making that many more products, which is pretty wild uh, just, to think about. It's a good thing, right? Yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing, thing I think. As long as it doesn't like ever become like Toxy promo uh, or Toxic Croak promo levels of like hard to get, like it doesn't really, you know, it's just a good thing that there's more products out there, I guess, right? Sure. That's yeah, what there's the been a usually few, tie into. There's been a few promo cards over the years that have been meta relevant cards, and I think promos being meta relevant is not a bad thing by any means. Yeah, yeah, but of course. It just depends on how easy or hard possible. it is to get said promo card. So I think with the world's promo being Champions Festival, a very mediocre to not very good card, something that may pop up every once in a while, I think that's a great place for a such an exclusive card to sit because what they don't want to happen is what happened with Tropical Beach, right? Where they made Tropical Beach. Tropi- uh, assumedly was not meant to be a good card. It was not meant to be super playable. It was the world's promo for 2012 and 2013, but it started to be really solid in a lot of decks. Uh, I mean, know, rare candy decks <laughs> specifically could utilize it super, super well. And 
It became a, a card that was meta-relevant that people needed to play in their deck. And the only way they could have gotten one single copy was by playing in the World Champ... By getting a qualification to the previous year's World Championship. So I think they definitely want to make sure that does not happen again. Yeah. So it would make sense that Champions Festival just kind of becomes our forever cha uh, World Championship promo card. So... I mean... I I was. I think it would be cool. Uh, I actually am curious. I wonder who Ross borrowed three tropical beaches from the the night before. Probably <laughs> some of the X Files guys because Ross got second immediately with. The yeah, truth. but he only played one. <laughs> oh, did he only play he one? He only really? played one. He only had one. Oh, <laughs> I just assumed he had four in there and just like borrowed it from people. Yeah. So a famous famous Pokemon story for anyone who's unaware. Back in 2011 at the World Championships, Ross very famously played the deck called The Truth, which was a very tanky healing deck with Reuniclus and Zekrom and Donphan Prime and Blissey Prime to heal your Vileplume. guys. Uh, and Vileplume, yes. Uh, all kinds of stuff going on. A really wacky deck. Did I say Donphan? I don't think there was Donphan. Was there Donphan? There was Donphan, There yeah. was Donphan uh, for some reason. Okay, anyway. Um, so really, really unique deck. One of the most famous Pokemon decks of all time. But Ross rolled up to Worlds 2011. He got his competitor kit, opened it up, read Tropical Beach, and said, hey, can I play this in my deck tomorrow? Because uh, this seems pretty good in my deck that I, that I want to play for Worlds. And they were like, yeah, sure, go for it. Why not? So he had already he had 60 cards ready. He had to find a cut, put the trop one copy of Tropical Beach in there, uh, and ended up getting second place at Worlds. Pretty funny little story. But I think... Uh, it's not something you could do now because of the promo card legality. The rules yeah. are a little different. A card has to be available for two weeks before it's legal. So that's why we see Champions Festival on this list here. Upcoming promo cards not legal until September 2nd. I guess that is a good thing. Like if they just keep doing Champions Festival, it'll always be legal. And because they print it every year, there won't be the... Even if it is good in one deck at Worlds one time, like there won't be a shortage of them theoretically, right? As well, so it's still pretty expensive. Even like a uh, any year's English Champions Festival, and maybe it's because it's been a few years since we've had Worlds uh, has driven the price up a little bit. But even like pretty much any year's English copy is at least one hundred and fifty bucks, so it's still pretty expensive. Yeah. Just because Pokemon collecting has spiked up in popularity so much, anything that is exclusive like that has kind of in spiked up in coordination with that but anyway all that to go back to wednesday <laughs> day zero <laughs> of worlds where you'll pick up your world's swag bag you'll get your promo cards your plush there's always a couple of other little goodies in there um i remember one year there was like a water bottle that's not something they do every year i think at san francisco there was a scarf that a lot of people were a big fan of one of my favorite ones was actually in nashville in 2018 i actually have them sitting back here on my shelf uh you can see them is my the guitar picks which i thought was really cool i play guitar and so that was like it's got a bunch of different pokemon featured on the picks and they always do something kind of unique like that uh based on the location that worlds is in so i'll be interested to see what the kind of more unique items are in the competitor kits this year uh since it's in london you got any guesses as well maybe no i have no idea i don't i'm not like uh I'm not a, a I like collecting some card stuff, but I'm not a big fan of just like random, you know, Pokemon trinkets as much, you know, stuff like that in general. So um, I have no clue. I have no clue, to be honest, off the top of my head. What do you think? Do you, can you come up with anything? Um, I don't know. I mean, a the scarf, Pikachu, I a scarf again. Yeah, it could be a scarf. It could be maybe a top hat. That would be pretty crazy. <laughs> There's yeah, usually yeah. like a baseball <laughs> cap, but imagine they give everyone a top hat like the Pikachu has in the, the theme. 
right? No one would wear it, bro. <laughs> it's Dude, gotta be a that's Catholic. the thing, yeah, though, is a, a bunch Catholic. of people would wear it. Well, for day one worlds, for at worlds, but after that, you're not gonna see anyone rocking yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like a, a stuffed anymore. rose or something like that. Roserade's a, yeah. a big one, and Pikachu's holding a couple roses uh, on the plush or whatever. Not the plush, but the uh, the, uh, the 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 theme picture, right? Yeah. No, yeah. It's always a ton of fun to see what you, what you get in the bag. Um, I guess some of the stuff has kind of gotten uh, specifically the sleeves. I guess that, I remember that's what I was super excited for. My first world was actually getting the sleeves, but the sleeves quality has gone down so much throughout the years. You can't even yeah. use them. You can't even use. You can use the sleeves, but you shouldn't <laughs> the sleeves are so bad man and it's really kind of re- it makes no sense how <laughs> they've been unable to make a quality official sleeve like pretty much ever <laughs> i think i think the ultra pro. pro ones are okay like the oh, yeah, you know how, okay. the yeah. ev ones that you got this year at regionals i think they are okay they're just really they're not they're still not great the elite trainer box ones have just absolutely gone way downhill they were bad, and then somehow they found a way to make them worse. Whenever they transitioned them into like the more matte finish, they just got way worse. So I'll be interested to see if the sleeves that people get in their competitor bags this year are—is it going to be the matte finish the same as the ETB sleeves right now, or will it be kind of the glossier finish of the previous year's World Championship sleeves? Yeah, I don't know why they don't just have. Well, I guess that I was going to say I don't know why they don't just kind of like. You know, I mean, they're they're partnered with Ultra Pro to an extent, right? So, like, why don't they just have Ultra Pro like make them some world sleeves? But the ones they've put together so far have not been that great either, right? Like the Ultra Ball ones and stuff like they're that. They're definitely so. better though. Like those yeah, are, they not, are definitely an upgrade. Yeah, they're they are definitely better than the ETB sleeves. But I don't know why they can't. Surely they could just partner with Dragon Shield, who is like undoubtedly the best <laughs> sleeve maker. <laughs> uh, like yeah. Magic is partnered with Dragon Shield. Like they've got sleeves and that are released for official games. Like I don't know why they can't just partner with the best sleep like the you know it would make too much sense but i'm sure there's a, i'm sure there is sense, a re- yeah. there is assuredly assuredly a reason behind it right yeah yeah i mean maybe they're in a contract with ultra pro and then you know a year from now they'll be done Who with knows? it and then maybe they'll uh make the upgrade we'll see hopefully we can all hope that uh the quality of sleeves improves the official the quality of the official pokemon sleeves improves at some point because it's been bad for a long long time long time all right so the only other thing to mention about wednesday is deadline to submit online decklist for day one players is at 8 p.m now this isn't anything new for worlds however this is not really and this actually only ever happened one other time at u.s nationals that i know of i remember having to to turn in my decklist uh thursday instead of friday at u.s nationals one year Uh, but that was the only year they ever did it and that was back like i think 2012 i want to say we had to turn our i remember like getting in line to like check in the night before and i was on the floor of the convention center on on city on the carpet writing out my deck list like making last minute changes (laughs) um so that's the only other time i remember um besides worlds but every every year worlds this is always a thing right for the day one play so i haven't had to experience this in a while myself so uh and i'm thankful for that i don't like this i don't think the players like it Mm. Uh, I mean, Chip, you've went through it more recently than I have. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so this is always a discussion that comes up every single year. It feels like for regionals, for anyone who doesn't know, you you, you have to have your deck list submitted by usually an hour before the tournament starts in the morning. I see as well. Um, yes, and internationals. So you, you get the last night of testing there uh, to get things a little figured out. Uh, maybe they're one last little tech that you might want or... Maybe you just want to swap decks completely. Um, And so every year it feels like there's some people who complain about this, that they have to submit the list the night before and they lose a night of testing pretty much. 
But honestly, it's pretty beneficial to not have that stress on your back, right? <laughs> to have picked a deck and submitted it and know like, okay, eight o'clock that night, I've got my list in, I'm good to go. And you can just relax for a night, go get some dinner, go hang out, go sightsee, do anything, get a good night's sleep before the tournament, which I think is way more beneficial than uh, the potential last few hours of testing that you would get, especially since assumedly coming into Worlds, you will have been very well tested. You should be very well tested. Uh, and have a really good idea of what you want to play. Um, so honestly, I mean, I obviously they're, they've put it out here ahead of time, which is what they should do. It, it would be a little bit disappointing if people were expecting to get that last night, but, you know, the schedule was released pretty far in advance this time, so people have known for a few weeks they will have to submit their list Wednesday night. Um, so I think overall it is a good thing, though. Yeah, I mean, it's not a... I mean, but you should be... I mean, it feels like it should, like, with with how easy... It, like, back then, like, even, like, looking back to that Nats, that was one of those paper deck lists, right? Mm -hmm. Now everything... Now that everything's online, I don't really understand the... I guess the point behind making people submit at, you know, 8 p.m. as opposed to 8 a.m. the next morning, right? And, like, give people the choice. If they they feel like they're there, they want to be with their list, they lock it in, that's fine. And But if someone wants to cram those last four hours, whatever, and, you know, figure out if they want to play, you know third boss or third marty you know give them those hours if they want to do it that way i do think there i agree with you that there is like for most players there's gonna have to be some forced peace of mind because you're just gonna have to submit it then and then you know you don't have to stretch about it for the next couple the next hour so i think it is a, definitely a plus for some people for sure who maybe uh you know overthink it and stress a little bit too much but uh, about that kind of stuff but i think it should it doesn't make sense to me especially when like when we like we look at regionals and ics and ics you know they're the same uh you know, days that you play, like ICs, you play Friday, Saturday, World. Well, I guess World's a little bit different this year. We play uh, Thursday, but Worlds would usually be Friday, Saturday as well, right? So it's like, but you can submit the night before for, for, the, for the ICs. And some regionals are bigger than Worlds as far as player base goes. So I don't see why that would be an issue. So it's just, it just feels weird that it's different, uh, seemingly for the only sake of being different for Worlds almost. Sure. If they were going to do it with like every other tournament where it was like 8 p.m. the night before, it'd be that'd be different and maybe they have like a reason behind doing it that, that way consistently but it seems like it's just different just for worlds almost for the sake of just being different i assume they have some reason behind it but it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me as far as i can tell i mean i think it's definitely a plus but i can understand like wanting those last couple of hours but uh yeah. so we move on to thursday day one of worlds the first day of competition doors open at 8 a.m and then at 9 a.m there will be an opening ceremony and the opening ceremony at worlds always has uh it, it serves a few functions right it gets people hyped up for the event hyped up for the weekend but it's also uh a global like you know there will be this will be a live streamed tournament so there will be people watching from home and so they also use this as kind of an announcement vehicle a lot of the time uh, a way to release new information whether it be about the video games obviously there are new video games coming out this year scarlet and violet i think are supposed to come out in november i'm pretty sure is the uh the month that they're coming out so we will probably see some information there um, and they have already said that they're they're going to um, show what the first Scarlet and Violet Pokemon TCG cards are going to look like, which our TCG set should come out in January sometime, sometime early 2023. I don't know the exact uh, dates or anything like that. Um, so I'm really excited for this. This is, uh, you know, they've this is what they've done for the last few years at Worlds. I remember at Worlds 2019, 
uh, standing there watching the opening clip play. And we see a Pikachu and Zekrom running around, yep. which was obviously the big card at the time. And then all of a sudden it's standing in the silhouette of a massive Pokemon with 330 <laughs> hit points, which seemed like a not real number <laughs> at the time. There's like, there is no way that they are making Pokemon cards that have this much HP but they sure did, and we got VMAXs just a few months later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, that makes me think, what were the cards that they would have? I guess V-Stars would have been one of them, right? Like, the worlds that we missed, what are the cards that they would have, that we would have gotten? So, so let's v, see, it would have been, it would have been probably Rapid Strike, Single Strike. And V-Stars. So, at, at Worlds 20, the... so Worlds 2019, they revealed VMAXs. At Worlds 20. Uh, 20 if it had happened it would have been rapid strike single strike revealed most likely and at 2021 it would have been v stars revealed most likely yeah makes sense yeah so we're always going to get they always show us some new mechanic for the tcg yep that's how uh, we got tag year. teams revealed originally yep. back in 2018 before that in 2017 that's where we got ultra beasts revealed for the first time the buzzwool gx the guzzlord gx being shown up on the screen um so we'll see something whatever the new game mechanic is going to be yeah, and then this year they're also for the TCG or for the VGC, for the VG for the video game side. They will be releasing some footage for the or some stuff for the new game, I'm sure. But they don't do that every year because there's not a new game every year. And it's also the opening ceremony is also pretty cool because they'll usually have someone there from the act from the Pokemon Company Japan come out on stage yep. and uh, you know say something and introduce something. I remember at Worlds in was it in 2019? Maybe it was in 2018 where they had the Detective Pikachu thing. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. You don't remember oh, that? No. So Did they... they have Ryan Reynolds? No, he no, wasn't, it wasn't there, Ryan though. Reynolds, but it was the the guy and the girl who were the main two characters um, oh, in the movie. Yeah, they yeah. came out on the stage. It was like a little bit of a promo thing, but they also um, were supposed to have us record a bit for the movie. So I guess a little bit of a spoiler alert for Detective Pikachu. <laughs> throw that out there did it make it into the movie i don't I, remember i don't think so but i don't know 100 percent. but anyway at worlds 2018 i believe it was 2018 um that's scammed they came out and said that they were going to be recording our audio in the audience and using it in the movie detective pikachu so they split the room in half and the left half of the room was supposed to chant pikachu Pikachu, and then the other half of the room was supposed to chant Charizard, Charizard, and then there's a part in the Detective Pikachu movie where there's like an underground Pokemon fighting ring that P the Detective Pikachu has to go and fight a Charizard, and so assumedly that's where that section was supposed to go in. I've only yeah. ever I saw the movie in theaters. I have not rewatched it since I originally saw it. Gonna listen uh, for your voice. <laughs> I, I did try to listen. I tried to listen for the chanting, and I don't recall any chanting uh, going on really in the background. So I don't know if it made the final cut. Maybe it got to the DVD release, but don't remember it in the movie theater. Straight up scammed us so we'd all go see the movie so we could listen to ourselves in the movie, <laughs> and it didn't happen. Yeah, they really needed that extra like five thousand ticket sales for sure. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the opening ceremony is always super hype. They usually have like some kind of, uh, I mean, they'll have some of the, the characters, some kind of like little, I'm trying to like think of the ones I've seen in the past, like the ones in, you know, they'll have like a, a little performance or whatever to open up with usually, right? Like with, uh, some kind of Pokemon characters, uh, on the stage or am I like thinking of, no, that's right. I'm not wrong on that. Am I? I'm not a hundred percent sure what you're talking about, but I believe you. Maybe it was, maybe it was just for Hawaii worlds. Maybe that's the one I'm remembering. 
I don't remember. Are you talking about like an animated thing or like a no, people walking like out a, in the the mascot costumes? Yeah, mascot cost mascot costumes. Is that? Does that? Do they do I that don't every remember year? anything <laughs> like that. Maybe Pikachu has Maybe walked out a few years. Um, there was Maybe like a. There was Maybe a Piplup, I think, at the last worlds because Piplup was kind of one of the other features. So maybe we'll see a Pikachu and a Roserade out on the stage this year. Who knows? Yeah. I'm actually super like I actually noticed this last world. I'm actually super one of the I feel like one of the benefits for me personally of not playing in day one is like sitting there for the opening ceremony, it does kind of like, you know, it it you know, you just uh, adrenaline rush or anxiety, whatever pumps up. I don't want to play right after that. I remember playing <laughs> right after that at Vancouver Worlds, I think. And I just it was not I, and now I'm glad that I get to go enjoy this opening ceremony and that you don't have to play until the next day because then you just walk in and everything's a lot more calm and chill. Sure. Like regionals are normally like one so. of the many benefits of skipping day one <laughs> of Worlds. Yes. So well. like that, I'm not a big fan of that. Like getting all that, all that energy, all everything hype and all that energy, and then having to sit down and play. Not a big, not a big fan of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely something that I noticed the, the last time I was at Worlds. But um, yeah, opening ceremony 9 a.m. and then round one. Uh, of Swiss for day one will be 945. They say there will be a lunch break, and I assume there will. Um, and hopefully they do the same thing that they've been doing on the streams where they like hold around back so that the stream isn't delayed. That's super, super sick, something that they've been doing. So hopefully they keep that up. I would imagine um, they will. Yeah, and they say here, you know, estimated finish time for the juniors and seniors, uh, 730. And then and estimated finish time for master's division is 845. And I don't know if it's on this page or something, but it seems like the estimated amount of rounds for day one is... Eight, right? I think that's what I've seen multiple times now. Is I have seen eight. Like eight. It is not on this page, though. But yeah, it should be eight rounds of Swiss. And what they normally do, World's Day 1 is different from any other Pokemon tournament in that you only need to get to a certain record in order to make it into Day 2. So usually yep. it'll be uh, X2 or better. So you'll get to a six. Once you get to the amount of match points needed to equate six wins, they will remove yep. you from the tournament and you won't play the remaining rounds and you have qualified for day two of worlds yeah so once you get six wins or 503 they just remove you well if you get 503 you play yeah, out all the, the rounds round anyway i guess right? yeah 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 so you could be like you know uh i don't even, I can't even think of a record but yeah when you get when you get 18 points or more you get removed from the tournament you just show up on the next day and you do it all over again um but i guess we could talk a little bit here about the i know we mentioned this before uh, two weeks ago, but the 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 idea of IDing at Worlds is definitely something that is talked about a little bit more. And I think the general um the general thought on it is that you should just not try and avoid IDing, but you're trying to avoid ties just in general. Ties feel a lot worse at Worlds because generally you're going to need to get six wins. So most of the times a tie will usually lead to it effectively being a loss, right? right? Yeah, there's so if really no... in a situation, no... Oh, I was going to say, like, so if you're in a situation, like, if you're in round one, and you could either take a, you know, like a 90% a chance to tie the game or a 10% chance to win the game, uh, it's, it is, I don't know if it's, it's not always going to be worth to go for that 10% chance, but it's more, it's more beneficial to do it there than in any other tournament in Pokemon. Right, definitely, yeah. A tie... So at regionals, you usually want to get to the record of six one and two or six two and one. So you don't mind taking a tie somewhere because six yeah. two and one still makes day two. 
Here at Worlds, though, uh, getting a tie means that you have to go now 5-0-3. So if you're sitting at, you know, 1-1 one and one, and in round 3 you think your game is going to go to a tie, your game tying is of no benefit to you or to your opponent. It is strictly to your detriment. So there should be, um, you know, you should try to play quickly. Keep these things in mind. Scoop early if you think you have a low chance of winning a game 1. Go ahead and scoop it up. Go to game 2 and game 3 and try your best to come out of the match with a win. And then there's also, you know, always the discussion of um, gentlemen's agreements coming into play where, you know, you and your opponents can, going into game three, have a discussion of like, okay, listen, I don't think that, I think our game should have a winner. Obviously, you never want to ask your opponent to concede to you. That is against the rules. But um, I think that is usually an appropriate way to say it, right? I think our game should have a winner or like um, if, if, Something that I've done before is like if we're going into game three and um, one of us really should win that game, I'll say like if you're ahead on prizes, um, I'll concede to you uh, if time is called. If we go to time in game well, three, and it's, actually, I don't, I don't think you have to be that vague anymore. I'm pretty sure you could just straight up ask your opponent, "Do you want to make an agreement?" The thing that so they they used to be before you did have to be that vague. You had to say something along the lines of, "If you're ahead on prize cards, I will concede." Now your opponent does not have to agree. Um, but I'm pretty sure you can like just, you ask, just be like, okay, that's you. nice. Thanks for that. I appreciate yeah, it. Like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but I'm pretty sure you can just ask your opponent now. You can just be like, do you want to make some kind of, you can't hold up the tournament. You can't hold up your own round. But if you're shuffling up for game three or setting up for game three, you can just ask your opponent, would you like to yeah. make a, a an agreement on on to decide this game? Uh, and you, before, if a judge overheard you, they could choose to get involved and it could lead to game losses or DQs and stuff like that. But I think the rules have changed as of, you know, not this season, but last season before this, before um, the pandemic, before COVID, where you can you can uh, you can have that conversation with your opponent. You cannot uh, determine a game by random means, flipping a coin, rock paper scissors. Um, you can't ask your opponent to concede, um, and the judge will not enforce the agreement. But you can initially make an agreement with your opponent and don't agree to something. It's very bad to like if you don't want to agree to something, you don't have to. I think that's like important to know, like because um, yeah, the judge can't enforce agreements. But it's pretty unsportsmanlike, uh, kind of scummy if you agree to something and then kind of back out when it doesn't go your way. You know, if you both agree who's ever had on prizes at the end of turns and then your opponent's ahead on prize cards. And sure, you could even be in a better sports state to win the game. But if that's what you, you agreed made an on, agreement. Right. Yeah, you agreed on something. So make sure you want to agree on something you're comfortable agreeing on and only agree if you want to. You don't have to. You, you could if your opponent offers something you can be like nah i'm good let's just play it out whatever happens happens that's 100 percent fine it's also just it's also fine to agree but you should definitely hold up your end of the bargain and i would hope that your opponent would also you know do the same and uh, like i said as far as i know it's a fine to even just straight up ask your opponent if they want to make an agreement you don't have to kind of do any wordplay with it anymore that definitely used to be a thing but i'm pretty sure we've moved past that where yeah um, all the only right. thing is that the judges the judges will not enforce any agreement so if, if, if it happens and your opponent's like nah i'm gonna take it back the judge you can't bring a judge over and be like well he said he was going to and they'll be like well i don't care pick it up yeah. i take the tire and move on so yeah it's definitely a little bit of a it feels like a a weird area because you i mean it's like and maybe it's not as weird as it used to be. I also just have not been playing quite as much these last few years since I've been doing mostly commentating and stuff. So I don't think I've actually played since in like a regionals level tournament since those rules uh, changed. Now that I think about it, but yeah, um, but yeah, the 
it is of no benefit to either player in certain situations to take a tie. Now, early on in the tournament, if you take a tie, just kind of naturally, I can understand how it feels bad. Like in round one, you're going to game three and it's like, I don't really want to start off 0-1. But honestly, starting off 0-0-1 is basically the same thing. You like give yourself a little bit... I mean, is it much better of a chance, do you think, Azul, to start off 0-0-1 versus 0-1? Is it that big of a difference? If your deck does naturally tie like a little bit higher than the like higher than the average deck, I would say it makes a little bit more sense. And it is possible to get to five oh three, right? If you uh I mean you would you would have to go into a situation where you could be four oh one, um, and then or or five oh one, excuse me. You could be five oh one, playing against another five oh one, and you two could agree to ID, and then going into the last round, you could play against someone who is then uh five oh three. Now it can't be either of the other players that you've already tied against, so there'd have to be another player out there who has the same record who you hit hit at that point to be able to tie with right and then you could both uh tie to 503 and you'd be comfortable for day two but i think getting that second tie uh can be difficult um because people generally don't want to tie because yeah a lot i think i feel like a majority of the time it effectively does kind of end up as a loss especially the early ties where it just doesn't yeah. um it's not going to account it's going to be hard to get the three ties it's just going to be hard to get three ties uh, overall because like you're not going to be able to get that next tie until you are 401 right and even then if you tie that rounding or, or 501 and you get to yeah, 502 if you just get down paired or up paired then you just can't tie again so you really want to when you're when you're looking at the you know the standings or whatever and you're at 501 when you go into that round against another 501 you want to make sure there's going to be a 502 that you can id against the next round right because there might just not be right like you might be forced to get up paired or down paired so at that point you probably should just take two you have two times of playing it out round seven and round eight instead of just having a chance to play it out in round eight knowing if you just check the standings that you won't actually run into someone you could id against in the last round anyway so they're not it doesn't feel as good because like it, in other tournaments like you said like at regionals if you get to six to one um you know you make day two right and your record carries over so even if you went in at six one two once again your record carries over right so your ties stay and it's different in day two uh potentially going into day three at worlds because once again your record your record could carry over right so getting a tie in day two actually like even for like top cut matters right that matters more as well so it's just really unique because you're playing to get to day two but your record does not carry over so ties definitely feel like they matter less. So like if I'm in a situation, like I said like earlier, like if I'm in a situation where it's like 90% chance to tie the game or a 10% chance to lose or win, I'm probably taking that 10% chance to try and get the get the win. And if not, I lose, but a tie was basically a loss anyways, right? In, so in summary for this section, if you are playing in day one, try very hard not to tie. <laughs> yeah, try hard, try hard. Definitely. <laughs> uh, and so... After day one ends, we'll have sent a decent amount of people over from day one to day two. They usually, usually what they do is like, they have like kind of a number of people they want to try to get there. I think in 2019, it was like, uh, I saw a number this week on Twitter. I think someone said it was like 50 or 60, something like that went from Mm -hmm. day one into day two. This world's I think is like a little bigger as far as the player pool. Um, but, um, so I'm, I'm not exact and day two's pool is definitely a, a good bit bigger than in previous years. So uh, yeah. I'm not exactly sure how many people will make it over from day one to day two, but it'll be everyone with at least a, a record of six wins. And then you get to kind of relax for a night, celebrate the fact that you made day two for a moment, but you got to get right back into it because you'll have to prepare a new deck or just continue on with the deck that you've um, maybe make any changes if some things didn't go your way in certain rounds or cards didn't work out the way you thought they would. Maybe you make a couple changes to your list, but most of the time people are going to keep the same deck between day one and day two, it feels like, right? 
Yeah, it seems like it's like 75% plus for sure. Just keep the same deck from day one to day two. No one really changes. People talk about changing, and we talked about it a little bit last week. Like the bigger testing groups, you know, the, the testing groups where you got majority of players in day two, a couple in day one. The one that comes to mind is like um, the Limitless Grow, and then, yeah, the Limitless Crew, Philip Schultz, um, I think, you know, so they'll be, they, they test with a ton of players who are in day two, but they probably won't be playing the deck that everyone in who's in day two is going to be playing. They'll be playing you know, one of their secondary decks to get to day two and then, you know, get to play the the secret deck or whatever. So um, that's like the the rare occasion where it happens. But sometimes people, other people do kind of have that. And it, it matters more so for those players as well because they're going to have so many more eyes on them, right? Like everyone knows who Philip Schultz is and Xander Perot are and they know who they play with, right? So everyone, even if people don't think they'll be playing their the secret deck that their group has for the next day, they might. So people are going to go check, right? People are going to go over to those players and check what they're playing. It matters so much binoculars. more for... Yeah, it matters so much more for that caliber of a player than the majority of people. So if anyone else has a, a spicy deck that they've been working on for a while, I mean, I would my recommendation would just be bring it day one. Because if you're not, you know, someone like a Philip Schultz or a Xander Pro, you're not going to have all those eyes on you. So no one's going to be looking into it that much. And you'll be able to get away with playing the secret deck or your your secret deck or your spicy deck day one and day two and get that full advantage. Yeah, that's you always... think for some reason it's better in the day two meta it's always been one of the funnier things to me when i've played at worlds before is sitting there during my round and then like kind of looking up looking around the room and seeing uh all the day two players kind of just circling the <laughs> the play area trying to see what everyone's playing kind of looking over trying to get a good eyesight and uh figure out exactly what some of the other you know those people in those specific situations who what they're playing and just kind of get an idea of what people are feeling for worlds in general it can give you a good idea yep. of uh you know i I think that usually world's day one meta is pretty close to the world's day two meta unless one group has like a secret deck that uh is you know going to be a lot different and it's like a uh you know a group of like five or six people that are going to have uh this deck that nobody played in day one right that was kind of yeah, the case for you guys whenever isaiah got top eight with the pidgey control deck yeah, I think the meta is pretty close to the same, but I do think that there's a strong advantage in actually bringing something different. I think uh, the the decks that actually do well, the ones that are in top eight or close to it, are going to be different decks, decks yeah. outside of the meta for sure. So, like, I mean, I guess 2019 would be a good example. There was so much Malamar at 2019, and I played against, like, two, I think. I remember Isaiah played against, like, three or four. Uh, I don't think there was any in top eight, so... <laughs> like there's a lot of Malamar. Yeah, twenty nineteen is a weird one because the meta was not really refined at all. This meta feels a little bit more refined, yeah. right? Uh because twenty nineteen was a whole new set. I think you'd have to compare it to like a few years previous to that, looking at like twenty seventeen or I guess even like twenty sixteen was like pretty much the same format as uh NAIC. Um or Nats, US Nationals, US Nationals, I should say. Twenty sixteen was the year that Odno won, so I guess that's a big difference. But um yeah, you know, a, we saw I think where Ninja Ninja popped up as well. That's true. I mean, I guess the they year. did have the new set Steam Siege, uh, so yeah. that brought the Talon Flame. But other than that, it was like, you know, we saw the Night March deck. It was so bad. <laughs> What's that? Okay, it was so bad Volcanium in that meta. was not very good, yeah. yeah. Which is really weird because it of... became so good later on. Well, yeah, but it was just night march was just bodied it there was no reason to, if you couldn't if you couldn't beat night march you should not have played uh basically your deck should not have existed like it should not exist if you could not beat night march uh like 50 percent of the time yeah and then volcano did not do that <laughs> at all but anyway all right. so I, I think that uh you know this meta feels a little more defined i'm sure that a lot of top 
players will come up with unique things. And it's kind of a bummer that there's not a new set legal for this world because I've really enjoyed that the last few tournaments where there's like a new set. It really shakes things up big time and lets the deck builders uh, shine a good bit. Um, yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. We got Pokemon Go, but I don't... I mean, Radiant Charizard Pokestop is probably about the only two things I expect to see much of from that set. Yeah, unless someone has, like, the cracked Gyarados or Luna, Luna Stones deck, like... Or, like, uh, uh, yeah. I guess something with... Um, what's the... Uh, I was just Another talking one? about it. Oh, the Slowbro or something Mute like that. Like Zorobot, Oh, Slowbro, Slowbro yeah, yeah. yeah. Slowbro. That would be the other thing. Or Mewtwo Vsar. I could see, like, someone having, like... I, that is a card okay, I Okay, you just named a bunch of things. Okay, so maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. it does <laughs> shake it up a bit. <laughs> well, I don't think... I, I was kind of joking with Lunatone and uh, Gyarados, but I think I think there could be a decent Mewtwo Vstar deck out there, to be honest. It is actually a card I've played zero games with just since it's released, which, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm kind of surprised. I haven't even tried to come up with anything with it. Um, it's just, like, a deck... Like, I've always had, like, a deck that I wanted to play more whenever I was, you know, streaming or making content or whatever, so I've yet to play a play with Mewtwo V-Star actually, but um it doesn't seem it's this doesn't seem truly terrible. So I could definitely see someone coming up with something. And decks are I mean decks are bad until they're good, right? So you never know. Like a lot of people call decks bad and stuff, but yeah, decks are bad until they're good, right? So who knows if someone's gonna bring some of the new stuff and, and kind of break it or bring back some older stuff that no one's really thought about. Right. So then on Friday we'll have day two of the tournament. And they actually added in this little bit of an asterisk here, uh which was yeah. not here previously. Uh so I'll talk about this, but you start in the morning, and then um, you'll play nine rounds of Swiss. They, it does say, or it says up to nine rounds of Swiss. It will most likely be the numbers for Swiss. I imagine this will just follow, like, the tournament handbook as far as how many players to how many rounds end up getting played. Yeah. Um, but it, it there is an asterisk here that if there are 227 players or more, nine rounds of Swiss will be played on Friday, August 19th. Every player with 19 or more match points or the top 32 ranked players, whichever number is greater, will advance. So the exact same format as regionals. That is the same kicker, 227 players. So pretty much World's Day 2 is, you know, its own tournament separate from World's Day 1. And this is like the real world's competition because whoever wins this tournament is obviously the world champion. So there's a chance that there will be uh a day two swiss i really don't think there will be though i think it's most Until likely i don't i don't think that we'll get quite to 227 it's gonna be really close though uh, do you think it'll it'll get there though i don't know i haven't really done the numbers or looked at anything with the numbers uh, but this yeah this wasn't here before my my just assumption was that no matter how many players we had like it wasn't going to be a huge number obviously we're not going to get to like over 300 right. um, but no matter how many players we had it was going to be nine rounds into uh asymmetrical top eight but now they've added this, uh, which is like the standard format for all other major tournaments, which is if we do get, you know, 227 players, we will go to uh, a second set of, of Swiss rounds. So we might have, and now we might actually have a day three. We're kind of memeing on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they said, there's like a three, there's a three, the three days of competition. It'll be day two's day two. <laughs> yeah. Day two's day two. <laughs> there's three days of competition, but I was like, well, they're just kind of making a day for top cut, which is like, that's fine. I'm sure we all like that. Like I said, everyone who makes top cut, I'm sure will really enjoy that. But, uh, it's not really like a third day of competition, but now it actually might be. We might actually have a third day of competition. We'll actually have to wait and see. And actually, I don't know how they're like spacing out all the Pokemon Go and VG and Pokemon stuff. Like, I don't know if is TCG the only people playing on Thursday. I actually don't even know. I don't even know if anyone is anyone else playing on Thursday. Um, there's um, like a page somewhere that has like a full schedule. I don't know exactly where it is, but okay. 
Yeah, it looks like actually I'm, I see it. I see it now. If we scroll down, they have more. Um, oh, oh yeah, actually, VG, I mean, this is VG does play on Thursday. Yeah. Um, but VG has always, but VG just has always had an asymmetrical top cut. They just, they just always do that. So their top cut is just always, always like that, which would, yeah. which would be something we could take from them. Um, yeah, I would definitely be a fan if this is like what the regionals kind of ended up becoming. So, I uh, actually did see a tweet that said that basically kind of implied that. Where did they say that? And I'll find the tweet. You go ahead to say whatever you're saying. I'll find the tweet. <laughs> I was just going to say, so Friday will either lead into Saturday being more rounds of Swiss if there's more than 227 players, or we will go straight to top cut. And on Saturday, which will be day three or day two of day two or just <laughs> world's top cut, um, players will play top cut and then it'll play down to just the finals match. They won't play the finals match. And then Sunday will be championship Sunday, which we'll see all the finals for Pokemon TCG and Pokemon VGC, the juniors, seniors and masters divisions. Yeah, and we'll get the announcement of the, the next year's worlds as always yes. as well. Yes, they'll announce um, what the location will be. Uh, you got any hopes, Sizzle? Any hopes for next year's I mean, world spot? If it if it follows the trend of Sword and Shield, which is where the video game is being based, it would be Spain, right? Yeah. So um, Sword and Shield was based on um, the UK, and so obviously we're having this year's worlds in UK. It, the plan was for 2020 worlds to be here. So this next set of games, Scarlet and Violet. Um, are based on Spain. So it would be pretty interesting if we had like a Barcelona Worlds or something like that, right? That'd be sick. That'd be sick. And I've been to Spain. I would definitely love to go. And I, I, to be honest, I hope they keep that trend up because having it in the U.S. over and over, once in Canada, back to the U.S. over and over again, it's definitely, it's not the world, even though it is the world the world championships, right? So I would definitely love, definitely be cool to see them, you know, branch out a little bit more. We'd love to go to, have it have it be in Japan at some point. And cool. I'm, I mean, they have a massive player base. That'd be a really, I think a really interesting world. So there'd be so many Japanese players who would um, I don't think it ever will be though, um, because the, like the world championships are handled by the Pokemon company international. Yeah. But like, and I know their, their tournament system, but their tournament system does play into invites for the end tournament that is run by TPCI. So like, I don't think it's like that big of a conflict or anything. We'll see. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, yeah. I mean, that'd be cool. Okay, so I found the tweet. Um, so this is from an official Pokemon, you know, post somewhere. I don't remember where this is from, but uh, the paragraph that actually, like, is... I'll link this uh, for you, Chip, if you want to throw it up on... Well, I'm going to have to make this screen look real funny real quick. Hang on. Uh, <laughs> uh, due to the new top cut procedure for this year... Now, that could just imply for this year as in for, the, for this world, right? Um, after switch rounds have been played, all players tied for eighth or better will advance to the single single elimination top cut. So it's, it's so that the 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 part that like stands out is due to the top cut procedure, which is it, it being asymmetrical cut or not. The procedure for this year's world is it being asymmetrical cut, um, but it says due to the new top cut procedure for this year, which might be implying this next season, which would be sick. I think like most people, I like I remember. I think what, that it probably just means this year's worlds, but yeah, but it could mean this year. Um, <laughs> Um, I two what it two episodes ago or now or whatever. Um, I asked you know if anyone doesn't like asymmetrical cut, why? And I didn't see anyone. No, I don't think anyone came forward who didn't like it and said anything. So you know, I didn't see anything in the comments or tweeted uh, at us. So that was good. I was curious, but I was genuinely curious if someone had like a if for some reason someone didn't like asymmetrical cut. I'm wondering curious about the reasons because so. But if everyone likes it, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't do it moving forwards for all the majors. We'll see. Hopefully, but uh, but yeah, that's the that's the world schedule. That is the world schedule. And also worth mentioning, 
as well. We've mentioned it before, but the London Open will be taking place on Saturday. So players oh, yeah. who don't make top cut will have that opportunity to play in the London Open uh, on Saturday, the which London will take Open. place alongside top cut. Yeah, the London Open might be really competitive. Well, it'll be more competitive than any Open ever because uh, there'll be more day, day two, two competitors. Will be in it, yeah. It'll be a good chunk of day two players. And depending on if we have five rounds of Swiss in day two, uh, it'll be pretty. It'll be a pretty competitive open, right? Like, but if if we don't have the five rounds of Swiss, or if we do have the five rounds of Swiss, they do. It'll be a little bit less competitive because a lot of those players will have probably right. made, um, you know, to play on Saturday to continue the World Championship dream. Well, and I think it is time to move on from the world's schedule discussion and move on to, of course, everyone's favorite segment of the cast. Guess that flavor text where. Each of us takes turns picking a bit of flavor text from a Pokemon and having the a Pokemon card from over the years and having the other host guess what card that is. We've actually got something pretty cool that a viewer, a listener of the cast made for us. Shout outs to Sean over on Twitter, tagged myself in Azul and said that they made a tool for everyone to guess or a, a tool for everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. And it is a website, guessthatflavortext.com, where you can either go in and search a card, type in a card name, and look for, um, you know, that specific card and find the set and all that stuff. Or you can roll the randomizer and try to guess a random card's flavor text. And that's actually what Azul and I are going to do this week. So I have not picked a card for Azul to guess. It is Azul's turn to try to get a pick, though. Um, so I'm just going to click guess a random card here and whatever comes up, we're going to roll with big shout outs once again to Sean for creating this tool. And let's see what we get this. Th it could be a hard one. It could be super easy. <laughs> let's see. Azul, are you ready? Just leaving it up to chance this week. Yeah, I'm ready. And yeah, make sure you will leave the link for the for the site in the description as sure. well. So you guys can check it out and just uh, get some flavor text. Yep. Guess that flavor Here we go. It has the power to travel across time, but it is said to appear only in peaceful times. So as you can well, see here on the site, there's the three different lifelines. Show the set, show the stage, or show the attack, and then a place for you to type in your guess. Once again, I'll read it one more time. It has the power to travel across time, but is said to only appear in peaceful times. Um, well... Being, having the ability to travel across time makes me think that it is Dialga, because Dialga is the master of time Pokemon or whatever. Palkia is the one master of space. Um, but that seems like too easy. But I, I want to, I don't want to just guess Dialga because I want to guarantee some points to tie up Chip because I'm one behind Chip on points, so I'm at least gonna try and tie it up. So if I have to burn all three lifelines to get there, I will to guarantee it. Um. So I guess to start off, I'm going to do a lifeline because I'm pretty sure it's Yaga, but we're going to start with lifeline. If, if I have to think too much harder, what stage is the card? So I'll click here, show stage. It is, it is a basic. Okay, it is a basic. I'm not completely convinced yet. <laughs> the other one that I'm thinking of is Jirachi for some reason. I don't remember if, I remember, like the only thing I remember about Jirachi, any lore that I'd have on Jirachi is I watched the, the movie, the Jirachi movie way back when. So maybe some of that is coming to me in this moment. Uh... But I don't know if Jirachi can time travel. I'm not sure on that one. But for some reason, Jirachi's coming to my head. But I don't think it's Jirachi. All right, we're going to go with an attack name. All right, show attack. The attack name is Sprouting. Sprouting? Sprouting. 
well, that's definitely not Dialga. <laughs> <laughs> so now I just have no clue sprouting. So it makes me think it's probably a grass type Pokemon because sprouting sprouts. I can't think of a time. So can you read me the flavor text one more time? It has the power to travel across time, but is said to only appear in peaceful times. Travel across time. That means time travel, right? For a second, I was thinking maybe I like heard it wrong and it just means like travel fast, but travel across time. That means basically time travel, uh, but only appears in peaceful times. Oh, is it Celebi? The attack name is Sprouting. The attack name is Sprouting. I know Spr uh, Celebi's coming to mind now. I guess I'm going to use my last lifeline. I, at the very least, I'm hoping to touch him up here. So what is the last one? It's the uh, Diamond and Pearl Mysterious Treasures. You played back then. Oh a my! A little bit. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember any of the like the cards in the set. Mysterious treasures. I think that was the set with Azalf, Mesper, and Uxie, but none of them have the attack sprouting. No, it might not have been mysterious treasures. I will tell I you that those cards, the setup Uxie and the Azalf and stuff, are in Legends Awakened. But there, oh, I okay. do. I don't want to help you out too much, but I do believe there is still. <laughs> And I'm not 100% sure. I do believe them. there is still um, uh, AMU in Mysterious Treasures. Yeah, I don't think I'm guessing AMU, uh, AM or U. <laughs> I mean, uh, Sprouting is just, I just have no clue. And it can travel through time. The attack Sprouting. I mean, I'm just going to go with, I'm going to go with Celebi. I'm just going to go with Celebi. I do not know what this is either for whatever it's worth. Uh, I think Celebi is a good guess, though. I would probably lean towards that. And I do think there is a Celebi in Mysterious Treasures. Let's see it. I'm submitting. And you were right, Azul. Yeah. Celebi <laughs> from Mysterious Treasures. With the Sprouting oh attack, search gosh. your deck for a Grass Energy and attach it to Celebi. Shuffle your deck afterwards. That was so difficult. I was so confident in Dialga until... Because I was like, I just didn't know any other it's time. It's a good thing you Pokemon. asked for an attack name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was waiting for something like rewind time or something, and like, and I was like, all right, then I'm locking That's Dialga. Gotta be Dialga yeah. yeah. <laughs> you said sprouting. I was like, what? <laughs> sprouting. And then I was like, well, it has to be an older Pokemon. Once you once you gave me the set, I knew like I can apply a little bit of my Pokemon knowledge to the sets, but very very little. All right, well, I tied you up. There you go. Um, Shout out once and, again uh, to Sean for the website. Yeah. We'll probably use this every now and then moving forward, maybe, uh, but we'll probably still pick some uh of on our own but very cool definitely a little bit of fun to mess around with so be sure to check out the website guessthatflavortext.com and we will move on here to our q and a segment of the cast so we took some questions over on the podcast's twitter we answered a couple last week but we wanted to mostly look at them this week um, so I just tweeted out over there on the podcast Twitter at uncommon underscore energy. If you ever want to submit questions for us, we do tweet this out before tournaments. A lot of the time, try to take questions from the listeners. Um, but I just tweeted out and asked, uh, what some of the questions people had about worlds would be, whether it be the meta, the format, or just worlds in general, what do you want to know? We've got a couple different things here. We're going to talk about, um, some of them just being kind of general questions about worlds and then some being more meta specific about decks and cards and all of those type of things. So let's kick things off. We've got, uh, two questions here that are actually kind of similar. One from Andrew who asks, what is your favorite thing to do at worlds? And then one from triple J Jeremy Jalen 
who asks, what's the best thing to do for spectators doing, during Worlds? So if you're a competitor, uh, obviously, you know, to look at Andrew's question more so, you're going to spend most of your time playing in the event, but you will have some downtime. Or if you are playing in day one and don't make day two, you'll have, you know, all of day two to kind of do whatever you want since the Open doesn't take place until the day after. Um, I don't know, as well, I guess as someone who has the last few years not had much to do on uh, day one of Worlds. So what do you kind of do to occupy your time? Well, I mean, the last times has just been testing, to be honest. I didn't do much, too much outside of that. Um, so, yeah. But, like, after that, I mean, I love traveling in general. I love just seeing the sights, walking around. I like taking walks, actually. Like, whenever I go to a new place, I like just walking around the general area. Um, I mean, I also am... I mean, I feel like... Some people say they love food, but no one really hate. No one ever dislikes food. But so most people like food. I'm a huge fan of trying to go find like good local places to eat. Don't go to, I mean, go. go I, the novelty of going to something like you know the McDonald's in UK and stuff is cool once, but like don't you know try and avoid like ordering pizza in or stuff like that. Go like just go 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 on Google, look up good local places near you for food. It's so easy to find so many good places that are like you know a little bit of like more like hole in the wall places. Um, or just stuff that's good, just like good food instead of like going to the nearest restaurant near you or the nearest pub or something, you know, go out of your way to like try and find good food when you travel for sure. So that's something I always like to do. Uh, and I remember specifically from the last time I was at uh, London at by the Excel Center because there was the IC there, the restaurants around there were not that good and very expensive so i don't recommend eating at any of the restaurants right next to the excel center i don't remember any That's of them been a few very years good. though maybe something else has popped uh, up maybe 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 uh the o2 center was pretty cool which isn't super far from the, i stayed near the o2 center the last time i was in london but i remember none of the places were like super great but yeah make a little bit of an effort to you know google some google some restaurants and stuff for sure that's definitely something i always like to do when i'm uh when I travel to a new place, for sure. And something as far as... So I was a spectator at Worlds in 2019. I didn't get my invite. Uh, I did go to play in the Open still and like hang out with friends and stuff. So uh, I still went to the opening ceremony and stuff, did kind of all the typical things and got to watch all that play out. Um, and then I played in like a couple side events. I found some friends to play old decks with. Um, and... I also like would just kind of watch around and try to watch the tournament play out. I'd watch the stream. They've got a great setup there uh, in the auditorium with or in the event hall, I guess, with a bunch of chairs, a huge screens and stuff like that. It's really, you know, fun to kind of sit there and watch the TCG matches. I also like would watch some of the VG games this year. There's going to be a lot more going on with all the other games happening. Go Unite and Pokemon tournament. So plenty to watch, plenty to check out. Um, definitely visit the Pokemon Center at some point. I think you have to make reservations. Yeah, um, we didn't ever actually gonna... end up talking about that on the cast, but I think there was a little bit of fiasco <laughs> with that last week, but I'm not sure yeah. if uh, reservation spots are still open. I think, I don't think they went by very fast. I was pretty easily, pretty easily able to register for a spot on Thursday. Um, and yeah, if you don't know, you should go. There's <laughs> There was there was a couple problems. The first thing is they did out the initial post and then they were like, use the... The, the, manage, the trip management advisor or something, I forget what it was called, uh, to schedule your booking. And that it just didn't exist. No one could find it. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it eventually appeared, and you could do it. Some people got, uh, you know, got their slots confirmed or whatever to visit the Pokemon Center, but then it just stopped working. Um, and I, I, was, I got there as it stopped working, so I wasn't able to reserve my time initially. But then, you know, an hour or so later, I was able to get in pretty comfortably reserve my time to, to go to the Pokemon Center. Um, 
So make sure you do that if you haven't and you want to go. There's no point in not going, especially if you're there, just kind of a spectator about walking around, you know, something to do. Go check out the exclusive Worlds stuff. This is stuff that only is available at Worlds, like with yeah. the Worlds theme and all that stuff. It's not going to be available anywhere else any other time. So go check it out. Get a playmat, get a hat, a backpack, whatever, um, with some of the exclusive Worlds uh, theme um, and actually, I'm excited to actually watch some Unite, to be honest. I'm going to see, I'm, cu- I'm curious to see what their setups are like. And I mean, I, so like whenever I like think of it a little bit, it always makes me think of like kind of more old school console esports when people be like trash talking each other. I don't think any of that's going to go down, but if something <laughs> does go down, it'd be pretty cool to watch. So um, I don't think so. Slamming I don't think anything like that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching like MLG Halo 3 back in the days yeah. and, you know, they'd always, they'd be standing up talking shit immediately after every match. So, I mean, yeah, Unite, I could see, I don't want to like, you know, slam their freaking uh, switch, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I wonder yeah, what the so setup's going to look like. Chill. Are they going to have like TVs there for everyone or are people going to be sitting there playing on their switches? Like, oh, are you going to have to play in handheld assume. mode or can you play in docked or what? That would suck if you have to like play on your switch. I could not imagine doing that. Oh, I mean, I guess you could always plug in a controller. I mean, the video right? game but... plays on their switch. Yeah, but you need, that's not, you got to push like two buttons. <laughs> no mechanics involved. Yeah, You're not yeah. trying to like see stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, that yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Not be great. Um, for yeah, what it's worth about the, the Pokemon Center reservations, I did just go look. I've got it pulled up here and I just, for two people said I was trying to make a spot and there are a ton of spots available for all four days, yeah. Friday or Saturday, less day, less spots than the other days. Uh, but it does still look like you can pretty reasonably go make a reservation if you are yeah, going don't be... to London and, and want to. Definitely something we both recommend trying to do. Yeah. Don't be lazy about it either, though. Just go do it. You're here, if you're hearing us talk about it right now and you haven't done it, just open up a web browser, pull it up on your phone, just go do it. You don't want to be one of those people who, you know, waits to two days before the tournament, then it's all filled up by then. So just go do it. Get it out of the way. That way you don't regret anything. Uh, Pokedexy asks, asks, what about worlds are you guys most excited about? So it's a little tougher for me this year since I won't be there. I'm definitely excited still to watch the stream and see if they are doing any kind of new things or have any new setups or anything like that. Um, so I'm excited and looking forward to that. But Azul, is there anything special about this world that you're looking forward to different from past years maybe? Something you're excited to try out? Anything like that? Uh, of course, the new card mechanic reveal will be sick. Um, and then, yeah, anything new as far as production goes, whether it be at the event, I feel like they have been trying more and more especially this like half season so i'm curious to see if they try and you know if they really up the up it up the level of everything at worlds which i, yeah, I hope they do i hope they do i hope it's it's different and just kind of better um on the on the in-person side of things but also on like the stream viewing side of things um for people who are watching at home yeah really bummed to be uh to be missing this one <laughs> Stefan Erickson asks on Twitter, we talked about this a little bit, asks, on World's Day 1, do you go for two IDs if that guarantee you Day 2, or would you play? So if you find yourself on Day 1 going into round number 7 with a record of 5-0-1, you know that you either have to uh, tie twice or just win one. Do you take the chance and ID and hope you don't get up-paired or down-paired, or do you just take your shot and play? You know that you're going to get to play round 7 and round 8. Do you just play it out? I think it just depends on how many other people have ties. And actually, Stefan Erickson put out a very, like, statistical, detailed video on this over on their YouTube channel, and that's what Stefan usually does over on their YouTube channel as well, just very statistical, mathematical breakdowns of stuff in Pokemon. So you should go check out their uh, YouTube channel, Stefan's Classroom, um, and they just released a video literally yesterday about 
to ID or not ID Worlds Edition. So yeah, I think it just depends on how many other people have ties. So the chance that I would be able to run into someone else with a tie on the next round. Um, and then if the current top half of the players is odd or even, or like everyone ahead of you with just like wins, or is it an even number or an odd number? Like, will there be an up pair, right? Because it, it, pairings happen from the top down. So if there's five people at five and oh, and then the 401 start, if there's two four or four four oh ones and they all become four oh twos, one of them is getting pulled up or something like that. I guess it's that always a possible. little awkward to be someone pulled up on the lower end to try to predict because like you don't know who's already played each other, right? Because you yeah, can't that obviously well. you can't play someone two times in one tournament, uh, unless it's day one Swiss versus day two Swiss, right? So you can't play yeah, so the they're... same person twice in day one of Swiss. So there's a chance that if there's only like four people uh, at an X1 record, which there wouldn't be in this instance, but, you know, just theoretically, um, they cannot play. And, like, t- two of them are playing a set that's already played each other, you know you know what I mean? And they can't yeah. actually play each other next round, so they're going to get paired to people who have ties, who have different match points. Yeah, it just depends on the likelihood of you hitting someone else who has those ties. But definitely go watch uh, Stefan's video to get as sure. much insight as possible, especially if you're a, a player in day one. Uh, Stefan... Uh, Stefan Erickson, Stefan's, Stefan's, uh, yeah, Stefan's classroom over on uh, on YouTube. Go check out that video. And then give you, they'll give you the the most in depth answer possible on that. Question from our friend Eric over at Rare Candy. Shoutouts to Eric who made uh, all the graphics for the Uncommon Energy podcast. All the graphics that we use on the YouTube channel, our Twitter banner logo, all that stuff. Uh, Eric asks, what do you want to see mechanically from the Scarlet and Violet cards being revealed at Worlds? I think my big hope is that it's something that's not big basics. Um, We've had big basics with, you know, Pokemon V becoming Pokemon V star. So it's like not really like big basic EXs back in the day. I think it'll be hard for them to replicate going from V maxes to V stars and then trying to pare it down to something similar to the GX mechanic where it's like we had really strong evolutions and then also like solid basics. I think that was kind of like the best era of the ultra rares of recent memory. Um, I definitely prefer it over EXs. Um, I'm talking about GXs pre tag teams, obviously. Um, I don't know. What do you think Azul? I mean, they could try and like one theory that I had when like V stars were kind of first released is that maybe they're trying to scale things back because it does seem V stars have dominated V maxes for the most part, right? Like in they that push trailer, them out for just, sure. Yeah. So what if they just release basic Pokemon that are just really good? Um, and sure, it might seem bad to begin with, but then what if they release basic Pokemon like or single prize po- Pokemon? You mean? Yeah. Then what if? No, no, no. Like like uh, basic Pokemon like V's, you know buzzwall level stuff like what if they release a bunch of stuff like that and that kind of overtakes most of the v stars maybe palkia and arceus are still good but others can't compete uh and then eventually they release uh stage ones in basic pokemon that are only worth one prize card and then now they can compete with the the two prize basic pokemon and they kind of slowly bring everything back to that level over the next i don't know four or five years um and then maybe i mean maybe they'll have to rescale everything up or maybe they can find a happy medium where they can keep stuff at that at that range who knows maybe the v stars are just v stars and they don't have any of that in mind at all but v stars have pushed v maxes out of the way so if you released a bunch of cards like buzz walls you know level stuff big big, big basics that are just like push the v stars out of the meta and then they release a bunch of stage ones that are just good and then because they're worth one prize card and your basic is worth two prize cards they're even at the very least you know they can slowly bring things back and scale stuff back as far as power level goes um it'd be interesting 
maybe they'll be able to do that. And then stage twos can get involved at that point as well, right? Like they could eventually just get stage twos involved. Um, so it'd be cool to see it get back to that point. I think a lot of people would be a big fan of that. I don't know if that's what they're trying to do with V-Stars to begin with, if that is a scale back, but I would like to see something that kind of progresses that theory. I agree. Yeah, maybe just moving towards scaling things back over the next couple of years. It's definitely something you have to have planned out way in advance. I don't know if that's one of their goals, what they really want to do. I think they like yeah. the big flashy cards tell. that sell booster packs. <laughs> I mean, they can still make them too. Like if we get to the point where we have, where they bring back like breaks and like SP level X's, like those are still, those are still big hot cards when they first dropped, right? Like they don't have to be worth two prize cards, right? Uh, yeah. They can still be, they're still the fact like the is cool the people who buy those cards, they don't care if it says in the bottom right, these Pokemon gives up two prizes, this yeah, Pokemon yeah. gives up three prizes. Nobody they cares. Care Nobody cares. Like. Yeah. I don't even know if like the HP number is like a big influence either. Like it's just compared, like I said, like, you know, little Timmy, he just wants a card that does the most damage compared to the other cards. Right. So if it's doing a hundred damage, but everything else does 10 damage, that's fine. Right. That's a big number still in comparison to what everything else is simply have something doing 300 damage when everything else is doing 200 damage. It's the same thing, right? Like it's just doing a hundred more damage. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be too ridiculous. Little Timmy was still, still, still trying to get that, <laughs> the big shiny one. <laughs> next question comes from joshua yell who asks this is my first worlds so what is the biggest mistake you expect me personally to make and how do i fix it so maybe i guess just thinking let's think a little bit more generally for this yeah uh, first time worlds competitors because joshua is definitely not the only one uh listening to the cast and uh participating in worlds day one what what is a, a common mistake you think you would see from day first time worlds competitors um versus you know people who are a little bit more experienced um i think there's like two different play like uh with the coaching i've done and the people and like everyone i've talked to up to this point you know for this worlds or other worlds i think there's kind of two players with two different mindsets like uh some players i've talked to and, and coached heading to this world are like you know if i make day two that's it i'm good and i'm like and that's what they're and then they're like i don't really care about anything else right um, and they're not even like so much even like, uh, you know, nervous or anxious about that. They're just like, I'm gonna try and make today too. And that's it. I'm cool with that. Right. They're not even trying to win worlds, which, you know, I think everyone should have some, uh, you know, aspiration to try and win worlds. Right. Um, but then I feel like there's some people who overthink everything and they're like, am I playing the right deck? Do I have the right text? How am I going to be able to make a day two? When I get to day two, should I switch my deck? Do I add these texts? What's the meta for day two going to be like? Um, so I think there's part of it where it's just like, um, just be confident in your own play no matter what and, and don't kind of worry about anything else and just kind of remember at the end of the day that you're just playing Pokemon and don't over... I think overthinking is probably the biggest thing, um, but I feel like there's some people who overthink everything and then I don't know what I would even tell them, but the people who... or the people who don't overthink anything, I don't even know what i tell them, but the people who do overthink everything, just stop overthinking it. Just treat it like any other tournament. I don't think it's like too much different, you know, when you're there the night before the tournament. Uh, it's, you should, it's just the same thing as any other major tournament you're you're going into, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, uh, I mean, I, f I, I definitely hear that first point of, you know, people not really caring about what happens at Worlds because they've already accomplished their main goal, which was getting an invite. Yeah. Right. And which is, you know, fine. And it all kind of depends on what you are wanting out of it. But I would hope that most people who are playing in Worlds want to win the thing, you know? Like yeah. <laughs> I said, some little bit of aspiration. But I know, I like, yeah, like I said, like I've talked to a few people who are just like, they would be very content with making day two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And maybe, and maybe their next Worlds is when they're like, all right, now my goal is to, you know, win the thing or top eight top or whatever eight, they're yeah. the next thing. I think that that can be a reasonable goal. And it's hard for me to like, uh, 
personally like kind of uh think that way because i've been doing this for so long the only thing i feel like i maybe have left to do is win worlds at this point even like before i won naic whether or not i won an ic if i win worlds i feel like that's i've achieved the the thing right um but now i've won an ic and i feel like for me like personally i can't even think about it in terms of you know being content with uh, you know, getting my day two invite or, you know, making top eight, it's kind of like win worlds or nothing, um, which is how I definitely feel at like regional or even IC level events. It's like, if I didn't top eight the event, I probably messed up somehow pretty bad, right? So I don't know. For me, it's hard. For, I've been doing this for so long and I've been in uh, a dominant or a top position like this, you know, day two invites and all that stuff for so long. It's hard for me to kind of scale things back and think like, well, if I went to my first worlds, you know, if I just made top 32 at my first Worlds and then lost in the first round, I'd probably be pretty happy, right? Like, <laughs> but it's hard for me to think in those terms. It's been so long. Sure. All right, well, that does it for the kind of more general questions. We'll move on to some that are more meta-specific. And the first one being from Mr. Sharni, who asks, will there be a different metagame on seniors compared to masters? And I guess we can also throw juniors in there. And the answer... Yeah is um i would say yes uh the seniors and juniors meta definitely is usually very based on it doesn't meta. evolve as quickly as the masters division right masters yeah. tend much more to think ahead think on the counters and stuff whereas juniors and seniors usually are just going to be playing the top lists with maybe a couple changes from the last big tournament so juniors and seniors i expect they're uh, it's more so in juniors, less so. You kind of see this evolution of like, you know, juniors. Yeah. <laughs> it's really dependent on the last Masters tournament. So most of juniors is going to be Arceus Intellian, Palkia Intellian, some Muse. It's going to be like those decks are going to be a huge percentage of the yep. meta in juniors. Uh, seniors, it'll still be a pretty large percentage of the meta, but there will be a lot more players trying to counter right you, you you that's where people are starting to you know kind of come into their own as far as like building counter decks and you know thinking about the meta a little bit more in depth and then when it yeah. comes to masters i would even say like you could even throw another step in there masters day one versus masters day two where um masters day one there will be you know still the the big decks will be you know played and probably do pretty decently but you'll see a lot more counter play and then day two will be the most counter play the most meta evolution uh, of any of the you know different tournaments happening at this this event yeah definitely for sure yeah i definitely like think that's pretty much it um i guess the one thing i was like the one thing i the one way i kind of describe june or seniors and juniors meta is like uh it's it's a lot more like it's like a lot a lot more of the meta is just the top decks like you said uh but generally and now it's a little bit different at worlds generally whatever wins the tournament is just going to be whatever the best players decide to bring in those divisions because it's so top heavy in juniors and seniors it's like ridiculous yeah. uh, especially in juniors it gets like it's like it spreads as like the same thing it's the evolution of it. in juniors there's like eight players and they're always top eight at every major tournament seniors like just kind of give an example like not numbers in seniors there's like 16 players and eight of them are always in top eight and you know in masters there's like you know it's way way more all over the place right but at worlds you're taking the you know those 16 best players from north america with the 16 best players from europe for seniors plus the 16 player best players from latin america i don't know how many are going to make their way from over from australia probably not quite as many but you have the best players from there as well so and they generally play whatever they want right because they're just successful playing whatever they want so at the top level of it in day two is going to be a bunch of it could be anything <laughs> for juniors and seniors a lot of it still will be meta because a lot of them still just like playing meta decks but you know if one of them wants to play 
Stone Jurner is just a really good player, and they just play Stone Jurner. Them getting top eight like wouldn't be a surprise, kind of something like that, right? For sure. Um, you know, Richie Gigas is more likely to have success in in juniors or, or probably juniors or seniors than you know masters, just because if a, a good player brings up the skill is what separates the players less so than the deck choice. But there definitely will be uh, some some seniors players and juniors players for sure who bring uh, who find and bring their own own spice or are working with some of the bigger testing groups. Like we saw Kaya 2019 playing the abilities Zard, took down seniors worlds that year right uh, playing the, the the deck that tour did um so some of them will also be working with some of the the bigger masters testing groups as well yeah, like reagan, reagan retzloff uh tests yeah. with you know he's one of the best seniors in the game and he tests with you know isaiah bradner um rahul john ang all those guys so it tests with is- all of them and still somehow ended up bringing <laughs> beedrill peak yeah and he Tele chose a different Arc. deck than all of them for <laughs> naic but you know it's okay <laughs> He still yeah. got he got second place, you know. I think yeah, second place is still it's still pretty good. It was either it was he would he would probably be playing that getting second or would have played the mirror match against Rune uh and then the exact the 60 mirror. Yeah, and then flip the coin. So it's like fine either way, right? Um all right, next question <laughs> from Zapdos TCG. Shout out to Zapdos. Oh, I think you skipped uh, one. Oh, did I miss one? Katana all right, well, we're on, TCG. We'll make we'll, we'll, we'll make go our back. way back. We'll go back. It's yeah, fine. we'll go back. <laughs> Zapdos TCG. Is Stone Journey VMAX a real option for worlds? It's pretty good against the top two decks, but yeah. I don't like its chances against the unknown. What do you think, Chip? I mean, kind of going back to our last discussion from this last question, maybe Stone Journer would be a good play for a solid juniors player because if there's a, if a lot of the other people out there are just playing Intelli- Arceus Intellion and Palky Intellion, you know, Stone Journer does pretty good against those two decks. Uh, yeah. But like I mentioned in the last section, there's just going to be so much more of a meta evolution, and Stone Journer really struggles against everything that is not those two decks. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, I could see like bringing it as a day one play if you really want to keep your day two play secret. Like it could be a. But I actually don't think Arcus Italian is going to be that popular. Like I think like more aggressive builds of Arcus Italian will be more popular, like the Charizard Zigzagoon stuff. But like the the NAIC build, I just don't think it's very good overall. So I don't expect it to. I think more people will come to that conclusion by world, by yeah. by this time, and it'll be less of that at Worlds and more, 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 more Palkia and Teliana than other stuff. Yeah, but, Stone Jr. Uh, very okay, I think. Be a cool day one play or a if good. If someone play makes in top juniors. eight with Stone Jr., they go down in history, though. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I mean, you just need to hit enough Palkia, right? There's gonna be a lot of Palkia. You can guarantee that. Every every round you enter, you'll probably have a chance to hit Palkia, unless like you're the only two players who are six zero. But at that point, you're probably Idean. And then Katana, I guess a similar question in this vein, uh, you know, to Zapdos. What's, uh, sorry, what deck tier two or below has the most potential to be successful? So probably not Stone Journer, um, but I guess uh, tier, oh, you think of all the tier two or below decks, Stone Journer is the one that's most likely to be successful? Hold on, hold on. I actually put out a tier list the other day on my YouTube channel. Um, and <laughs> the most controversial pick of mine was that I put, uh, Arceus and Teleon in tier two. Oh, <laughs> and, everyone and, flaming you, you for like, it. Yeah, you don't like that. Oh, I, so I also put, so I mean, my only tier ones were Palkia and Mew. I still think Mew, the, the testing I've done with Mew leading to Worlds has reminded me how good Mew is. Um, I kind of was sleeping on it myself. Mew is really good. Uh, <laughs> Mew is really, really good. Um, but I would, I would, my personal pick would probably be Urshifu. Oh, did you do this on stream? Or did you yeah. forget to pull down the? No, no, I did it. I did it on. <laughs> I did it on. Sh- got to reuse the content chip. Got to reuse it when you can. You know. I so mean, people would want it to. <laughs> of the, uh, all right, of the things, so you put Mew Vmax tier one, which I guess is not unreasonable. Yeah. Um, like after I test it, like I would have like right after NAIC, I would have put it tier two. But the more I did play with the deck, 
Uh, and how much more people are not preparing pre pre preparing for it pre and are willing to pre prepping for it and are willing to play decks that lose to it is like going up, right? Like, so yeah, I, it, Muse still pretty good. Muse so, still pretty good. Uh, so, what was Catchers. your answer for this question then? Oh, I would have done Urshifu. I would Urshifu would be Urshifu. my pick. I okay, think. yeah, yeah. Um, be my tier two. Dialga I, maybe. I, I really like Dialga as well, but Dialga's cool. All right, I'm gonna say something, and it is a deck that I dislike. I do not think it is a good deck, but it does well. It has the numbers. It has proven that it can beat the top decks. Well, then and, you can't think it's a bad deck. And it won a regionals this year, and that is Arceus Duraludon. Oh, uh, no way. Yes, <laughs> that deck is I, so bad. It's, it is Azul, but it, it was it bad it's when it won so a regionals? Bad. It was, yes, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> I literally said on the cast, like, if you re-ran that regionals, I think maybe one Arceus Duraludon would be in cut. Maybe one. Um, there Arceus wasn't as much Arcantello. on top eight worlds. It, it was a tournament happen. for it to make it. Yeah. I think I do kind of agree. I almost has the same. Like, it's another deck people are preparing for a little bit less. And Arc Intel, like I said, I think there's going to be less Arcantel. That is a, a... But I think Mew is kind of taking Arcantel's spot. Like, the meta is just like... The meta percentage between those two decks is just kind of shifting from Arkantel to Mew. Which but I don't Mew's even think most Mews will probably have, like, a big deal in that matchup is if Mew plays the Echoing Horn or not. And well, the Horn just, like, auto-wins. Without right. Horn, it's, like, 50-50. Yes, so. yeah, yeah, I agree. So that's what I'm saying. It's a big deal in that matchup. And I think that a lot, a lot of Mews are not playing the Horn right now. Some still will be, and it's still just a solid card um, against like Arceus decks in general. So I think like it's a reasonable card for any new player to want to keep in their list. Yeah, it um, can't hurt to have. But I uh, do think like you know if Mew is popular and people aren't playing that much Horn, and then like you know Palkia and Intellian, you know it does Arceus Duraludon does pretty decently against Palkia. Um, it does. Not the best versus Arc Intel, and if it's on the downswing, maybe, yeah, maybe it could make a run. Could happen. All right, our last question here coming from... Bro, what are you even looking at? We have two more questions. <laughs> Did I skip another one? <laughs> our second to last question coming here <laughs> from at Pink Mudfish. Do you expect any older meta decks to reappear? Older meta deck examples, Whimscott V-Star, Single Strike, uh, Jolteon, VMAX. None of those... But I think I think it could. I think we I mentioned this a little bit earlier, and the the cast was just like you know people have their secret decks, and that could be something new from Pokemon Go, or it could just be you know reviving something like the Urshifu. I think Single Strike, Whimsicott, or Jolteon Vmax would be those decks. But I think it is definitely possible there's something out there that people are looking are, are cooking up. Yeah, the the three examples they gave, I think there's a pretty decent reason for all three of them to that they've not been as successful as they were in the past. Um, I mean, and. So I'd, I I almost would say it, it depends on if you think Rapid Strike Urshifu is something that has not appeared. And though it hasn't been a huge part of the meta, it is still, like, reasonably played. I think it's one of the top decks still on Limitless, like, still one of the top 10 decks played. Um, it's really good, too. It's just kind of the metas have been 13th, awkward for it I as guess. of... The metas have been awkward for it as of late. It was like, okay, going into NAIC, you had to really deal with Mute, Mute and Palkia, and that's really hard to do. Now, coming out of NAIC... Uh, something that I've mentioned before, and it seems to be not a general consensus, but more people are willing to do is like take a loss to Mew, and Mew has been way less popular in like the online tournament. So now Urshifu can just be like, okay, I can be consistent and focus on my Palkia matchup and just take the loss to Mew, and it won't hurt my win percentage in the meta uh, as much as it did before, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe uh, some. I feel like Urshifu is just always good. So Urshifu doesn't really count, I don't think. That's what so I'm I, trying to say. I just went back and looked at the Brilliant Stars meta 
from on Play Limitless and looked at some of the top finishing decks that we haven't seen much of. Uh, and two that stick out to me, Rapid Strike Malamar. You know, I, I don't think it's great, but I could see it, you know, if someone is committed to it. Um, and is Ross, a good Ross is going to roll up again? Yeah, if Ross rolls up with it, you know, Ross has probably got one it. of the best <laughs> world's track records of anyone. So, you know, expect to see him in top eight with it. Um, Gengar, you know, I don't think Gengar, he's Ezel's just shutting it down completely. <laughs> yeah, I I'll mean, probably Gengar not, down. but yeah, I mean, I think Gengar's probably got a better chance than Whimsicott, Single Striker, Shifu, or Jolteon. Yeah. Which kind of stinks for single strike, but it's just not it's not his time anymore. And then now our last question. Time. Now our last question from Hey Buddy Bud A Aaron who asks, Is consistency more important than tex? I can the best answer is it depends. <laughs> yeah. So the I can I can give an answer to basically sum this up if you want me to. Yeah. The only thing that matters is once you've picked an archetype that you're going to play for a tournament. The only thing that matters is your win rate with that deck in the expected meta. So if that means adding a, uh, let's just say adding an Eskew to your Palkia deck increases your win rate in the expected meta, then you add the Eskew. If it hurts your win rate, then you don't add it. And the expected meta is, well, if you expect a bunch of Rigigigas and Lunatone Soul Rock, at, and you expect to hit it four out of six rounds, then you're gonna you could you you could use Eskew you know, four times out of six. So the, the, the win rate return on the SQ is high, right? So it'll increase your win rate overall in the expected meta, right? And that's basically what you want to base. It's There's no right answer. The answer is you're always trying to have the highest win rate deck in the room compared to everyone else. And that's what you should strive to get. So at some point you have to lock in your archetype, you pick Palkia, and from there you work on refining the list and learning the matchups. Uh, and then you have to go come up with what you expect the other decks to be in the room, right? What is going to be the meta breakdown, do you think, at the tournament? And then base your techs on that. And I think that is uh, going to wrap it up for us this week. Thanks to everyone who submitted questions. If you didn't get yours answered, it maybe got answered in last week's episode. So be sure to listen to that. And uh, we got to say best of luck to everyone competing in Worlds. I'm excited to watch. Going to be rooting for you, Azul. Hopefully you could win a couple Appreciate big it. tournaments in a row. It'd be pretty wild. It'd be nice. Pretty good for the podcast numbers as well. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> i'll do my best chip to it. hopefully at least make uh, hopefully at least asymmetrical my way into the top cut at the very least yeah he's fine we'll finish in 10th as long as it's the same record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh we'll man take those. we'll get in there at the very least well thank you to everyone listening and thanks for the support as always if you want to support the cast be sure to subscribe to the youtube channel also please leave us a rating on your favorite podcasting platform spotify apple whatever it may be and also be sure to connect with us. Follow us over on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy, where once again, you can uh, potentially send us questions if we ask for them before an episode. And then you can also follow Azul at Azul, G, at Azul underscore GG and myself at Trainer Chip. Thank yep. you all so and, much uh, for listening. Yeah, I'll be at Worlds. Chip won't be, unfortunately. I will have some of the Uncommon Energy dice with me. I only got a couple left. Um, so find me early um if you want one um so it's and, not worth uh, asking you on saturday if you have any dice yeah, left <laughs> yeah probably only going to be worth asking me on thursday to be honest <laughs> i don't have that many left um and then yeah be sure to come come up and say what's up if you want to um for sure i'm friendly i don't bite and uh, i will have a couple of dice on me and yeah always appreciate the support and we'll catch y'all next week when we'll be discussing the results of the world championships peace
Peace.